Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And before we get into today's discussion, let's say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us. So with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for another year of life and for getting us through another day, another week, month, year, whatever it may be. We thank you and praise you for all of the blessings that you have bestowed upon us. Lord, please be with us as time is getting so close to ending. Signs are fulfilling more and more closely together and especially as we see what is going on around us with fires and earthquakes and all of the other natural disasters and with the news headlines we ask that you draw near to us help us to prepare for that time and help us to realize that everything that we go through is for our betterment to prepare us for your heavenly kingdom. Please help us to be willing to change and to grow in you and to give up everything for you. We ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. All right, so today I wanted to talk about the reasons why trials and tribulations come to us. Sometimes it's really hard to see past all of the things that go around us and we wonder, why me? Sometimes I've asked myself that question too. I would wonder why all of these bad things kept happening to me. After all, I think of myself as a good person, as do most people. We might be kind, we might do good deeds, or whatever the case might be. But yet, bad things happen to us, and we wonder why. And the answer is a lot more simpler than it seems. And yet, it is also hard at the same time to accept the things that we cannot change, and also courage to change the things that we can change. We often get too comfortable in our life, and when these things happen to us, we are very ready to cast fingers or put the blame on the Lord or do whatever it is necessary. And sometimes the things that are going on is because of the choices that we have made and we are suffering the consequences. And other times is to see what we are made of, to see whether we will stand up for truth. And that being said, I wanted to talk about some examples in the Bible, some encouraging Bible verses, and of course quotes. So with that, let's get into some examples in the Bible. The number one example that you probably think of first is Joseph. Joseph had it rough. His brothers hated him. They were so jealous of him, they sold him as a slave. And as he was a slave for many years, he then was thrown into jail for a crime which he did not commit. The wife of Potiphar wanted to sleep with him, but he refused because it was a sin to commit adultery and he didn't want to sin against his master and against God, most importantly. And she was not okay with that, so she had spoken lies against him and he was thrown into prison and he was there for a couple of years. Again, innocent, not having done anything wrong. And yet it was all for a reason. Yet when we read the story of Joseph in Patriarchs and Prophets and in the Bible, not once do we hear him complaining about his situation and the things that he is going through. Instead, he put his faith and trust in the Lord. Another example of that is Daniel. He was taken away from his family and he was sentenced to be a servant of Babylon. Now, he at least had some friends that went along with him so that they could kind of stick up for each other and pray for each other. So he had that, but he never got to see his parents. Who knows if he had siblings? We don't know any of that, but he never saw any of those people again. And that is a sad thing to think about. But yet, he put his faith and trust in the Lord and he knew that the Lord would be with him in a strange country. Jacob, when he had to 
flee for his life when he stole his brother's birthright. He never got to see his mother again. His mother died, but the Lord was with him. Esther, when she had to hide her faith and become the queen, she had to have the courage to go in before the king when there was a royal decree saying, if you enter here without an invitation, you will be killed. So she had to endure all of that alone, yet she prayed and trusted that the Lord would be with her and help her in the situation that she was in. And the examples go on and on, and you can read story after story. David is another great example in the Bible. He was on the run for many years from King Saul trying to kill him, and yet the Lord was with him, and he prospered, and he became king. And through all of the trials and tribulations that he had to go through, the Lord was with him, and David knew that. That is the kind of faith that we need to aspire to, that level of trust, that level of communication that they had with the Lord. They prayed, they relied on the Lord, they quoted stories and scriptures that were told to them as children. Parents instilled in their minds when they were little all of the stories that were told to them. And it all started with Adam and Eve telling the story to their sons when they were young. And it continued from generation to generation until Moses wrote the first few books of the Bible and the scriptures continued piling up. And now we have the benefit of having all of the story and we know so much more than they did back then. So really, we have no excuse to have a lack of faith. I mean, we like to consider ourselves a little bit better because we're like, oh, we would never complain like the Israelites did in the wilderness. We would never do what they did. Yet, in a matter of speaking, we do because we don't rely on the Lord as we should. And when things happen, we tend to blame him and wonder why things are happening instead of going to the Lord and saying, help me to get through this. I don't know why this is happening. I don't know what is going on, but I know that you will be with me through this. And that is why it is so wonderful that we have all of these verses in the Bible and all of these quotes to help strengthen our faith. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were threatened with the fire and they knew they were going to be thrown in, they said that the Lord would be with them. And if they died, then they died. But they would not relent against what was right and they would not bow down to a God that wasn't theirs. It didn't matter to them if they died. They knew that they had to do what was right. And we must know and do that too because there will come a time when our lives could be threatened to give up the truth. And many people will fall by the wayside because they consider their life more precious. But Jesus says that if you lay down your life for him, he will raise it up again and you will have much more abundance than you could ever dream of on the new earth. And it's not about the treasures, all of the things that you get when you get to heaven. It's about dying for someone that you love. You sacrifice yourself because you believe in the truth and you love the Lord with all your heart. You're not doing it to get praise and honor and glory. That is the wrong kind of reason to do it for. You sacrifice your life because you love the person. A mother, generally speaking, a good mother will sacrifice her life for a child if she knows that by giving up her life, her child will live. And that is the kind of parent that really speaks to us. That is the kind of love that Jesus has for us, much more so than a parent who loves their child and will do anything to save that child. And that is why it says in 1 Peter 5.10, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. So the Lord will 
be with us. He will help us to get strong and to stand perfect and to settle us so that we can stand firm when trials come. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Again in James 1, 2 through 8, you can read all of the verses for yourselves, but the very first verse says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Actually, I'm just going to read this. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. And you can read the rest of the verses in your own time. But we need to count it all joy when we fall into temptations because the Lord has it for a reason, which is what I want to read ST, August 20th, 1896, paragraph 1 and 2. It says, The Lord permits trials to come to his loved ones in order that through trial they may have increased knowledge concerning the God of their salvation. The Lord says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you? But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Again, he says to those who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, that for a season they are in heaviness through manifold temptation, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. James writes, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. This is the verse that we just read. And again, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So when the Lord gives us these trials and tribulations, it's because he loves us. It's because he wants us to get our characters right. It's because he knows that we can overcome. We can get the victory and we can rely upon him through everything, which is why it says so in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation 
taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. This is a beautiful verse. You need to memorize this and store it in your heart so that when you are going through hard times, this will come to your mind. These are the kind of verses that you need to really get well into your mind and to know that the Lord is with you. And when we are going through these fiery trials, it is then that we are getting most strong. Just like when diamonds are first brought in, they're this ugly stone. But as it goes through the process of getting shaped and formed and beaten down into this beautiful diamond that we know of today, it has to go through that process that is hard and rough to shape into something that is beautiful. When you see these beautiful glass vases and glass things that have been blown up, they have to go through the fire to get that shape and to mold it and the person who is blowing the glass has to work so very carefully and do this intricate beautiful process. If you've never seen glass being blown you should go on YouTube and search for the videos. It's really something to see and it has to go through this fiery process before it can become something that is beautiful and people want to put in their homes and put flowers in it and do whatever it is they do with the bowls and the vases that come from it. And this is the same thing the Lord is doing to us. We are his beautiful gems. We are these beautiful things that have to go through these hard trials and tribulations in order to come out more beautiful, to come out better than what you went in originally. We do not want all of our flaws and our character defects on the other side. In heaven, it is perfect where no sin resides. So we need to cast off that sin. And what better way to cast off something than by burning it from your very existence. The Lord is a consuming fire, we're told. So in order to be in his presence, we must need go through the fire and come out on the other side so that we can stand with him pure and holy because he is pure and holy and he is our example and he went through it so that we don't have to go through it ourselves. Talk about the best story of somebody who went through horrible trials and tribulations. Jesus was beaten and bruised and a crown of thorns placed into his skull and nails into his hands and his feet and whipped within an inch of his life. And yet he went through all of that as meek as a lamb brought to slaughter because he wanted us to be saved. And he would do it all again for us if need be. But he doesn't have to because he already paid the ultimate price once. And that one time was so that we wouldn't have to go through that pain ourselves. We still have to endure trials and tribulations, but not as bad as what he went through. He had the whole weight of every person's sin from all of the generation on his shoulders. We only have ourselves that we have to contend with, and we don't have to do it alone. We need to go to the Lord in prayer, in supplication, and have that relationship with Christ. And this is the only way that we can can get through to the other side. And it says in CCH 54.7 and 55.1 and 55.2, it says this, to men whom God designed shall fill responsible positions, he in mercy reveals their hidden defects that they may look within and examine critically the complicated emotions and exercises of their own hearts and detect that which
which is wrong. Thus they may modify their dispositions and refine their manners. The Lord in his providence brings men where he can test their moral powers and reveal their motives of action, that they may improve what is right in themselves and put away that which is wrong. God would have his servants become acquainted with the moral machinery of their own hearts. In order to bring this about, he often permits the fire of affliction to assail them that they may become purified. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Malachi 3, 2-4. God leads his people on, step by step. He brings them up to different points, calculated to manifest what is in the heart. Some endure at one point, but fall off at the next. At every advanced point, the heart is tested and tried a little closer. If the professed people of God find their hearts opposed to this straight work, it should convince them that they have a work to do to overcome, if they would not be spewed out of the mouth of the Lord. Just as soon as we realize our inability to do God's work and submit to be guided by His wisdom, the Lord can work with us. If we will empty the soul of self, He will supply all our necessities. That is so beautiful. We just have to be willing to get rid of everything and our selfishness and pride keep us from getting rid of those things that we love. We need to let it go and let God fill our hearts instead. And if you are wondering how you can overcome in Jesus, I have a podcast out talking about overcoming and how we can do it with the Lord's help. So go and listen to that. And I hope that you're blessed by it. GC 425.1 says, Says the prophet, Who may abide the day of his coming, and who shall stand when he appeareth? She's repeating the verse in Malachi 3, 2, and 3. For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller soap, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Those who are living upon the earth when the intercession of Christ shall cease in the sanctuary above are to stand in the sight of a holy God without a mediator. Their robes must be spotless. Their characters must be purified from sin by the blood of sprinkling. Through the grace of God and their own diligent effort, they must be conquerors in the battle with evil. While the investigative judgment is going forward in heaven, while the sins of penitent believers are being removed from the sanctuary, there is to be a special work of purification, of putting away of sin among God's people upon earth. This work is more clearly presented in the messages of Revelation 14, especially in the times in which we are living in with all of the things that are going around about us. We need to work on purifying our souls. We need that refiner's fire within us. We need to get every sin out. And that means being strict. That means giving up a lot of things. And we should do it joyfully because we love the Lord. I mean, what does this world have to offer? 
offer us in reality to the world that is to come. There is nothing in this world that I want that heaven couldn't provide more abundantly and more beautifully. Is it really worth losing your soul for a few moments of pleasure? These are the kinds of questions you have to ask yourselves and it is only through the grace and mercy and love of our Savior and with him working through us and in us that we will be able to go through that time of trouble without a mediator and we need to prepare our hearts for that time because it is fast approaching. EW 73.2 says, I asked the angel why there was no more faith and power in Israel. He said, ye let go of the arm of the Lord too soon. Press your petitions to the throne and hold on by strong faith. The promises are sure. Believe ye receive the things ye ask for and ye shall have them. I was then pointed to Elijah. He was subject to like passions as we are and he prayed earnestly. His faith endured the trial. Seven times he prayed before the Lord and at last the cloud was seen. I saw that we had doubted the sure promises and wounded the Savior by our lack of faith. Said the angel, gird the armor about thee and above all take the shield of faith for that will guard the heart, the very life from the fiery darts of the wicked. If the enemy can lead the desponding to take their eyes off from Jesus and look to themselves and dwell upon their own unworthiness instead of dwelling upon the worthiness of Jesus, his love, his merits, and his great mercy, he will get away their shield of faith and gain his object. They will be exposed to his fiery temptations. The weak should therefore look to Jesus and believe in him. They then exercise faith. This is powerful and this is what we need to do because if we do not overcome the fiery trials of today here on this earth, we will face a much greater fire when the fire comes to destroy Satan and all of his evil angels and all of the people who decided not to follow the Lord. They will be consumed by the last great fire. So which fire would you rather deal with? The fire from God or the fire that will destroy the earth and purify it for the final time? I personally want to embrace this fire now and to overcome through Jesus instead of losing out on salvation for all eternity. Maranatha 83.3 and 4 says, We have marked illustrations of the sustaining power of firm religious principle. The gaping lion's den could not keep Daniel from his daily prayers, nor could the fiery furnace induce Shadrach and his companions to fall down before the idol which Nebuchadnezzar set up. Young men who have firm principles will ensue pleasure, defy pain, and brave even the lion's den and the heated fiery furnace rather than be found untrue to God. Mark the character of Joseph. Virtue was severely tested, but its triumph was complete. At every point, the noble youth endured the test. The same lofty, unbending principle appeared at every trial. The Lord was with him, and his word was law. Those who study the Bible, counsel with God, and rely upon Christ will be enabled to act wisely at all times and under all circumstances. Good principles will be illustrated in actual life. Only let the truth for this time be cordially received and become the basis of character, and it will produce steadfastness of purpose, which the allurements of pleasure, the fickleness of custom, the contempt of the world-loving, and the heart's own clamors for self-indulgence are powerless to influence. 
conscience must be first enlightened. The will must be brought into subjection. The love of truth and righteousness must reign in the soul, and a character will appear which heaven can approve. Amen. This is the kind of character that we need to do, and we cannot do it alone. We must rely upon Christ and study the Bible and counsel with God. These are the ways that we can have that righteousness of character that we can overcome. And RH February 11th, 1890, paragraph 3 says, We must not think that we shall escape trials. For the apostle says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Gold is tried in the fire, that it may be purified from dross. But faith that is purified by trial is more precious than refined gold. Then let us look upon trials in a reasonable way. Let us not come through them with murmuring and discontent. Let us not make mistakes in getting out of them. In times of trial, we must cling to God and his promises. Some have said to me, do you not get discouraged at times when you are under trial? And I have answered, yes, if by discouragement you mean sad or cast down. Didn't you talk to anyone of your feelings? No, there is a time for silence, a time to keep the tongue as with a bridle, and I was determined to utter no word of doubt or darkness, to bring no shade of gloom upon those with whom I was associated. I have said to myself, I will bear the refiner's fire. I shall not be consumed. When I speak, it shall be of light. It shall be of faith and hope in God. It shall be of righteousness, of goodness, of the love of Christ, my Savior. It shall be to direct the minds of others toward heaven and heavenly things, to Christ's works in heaven for us and our work upon earth for him. And this is what we need to do when we are under trials and tribulations. We must not let the discouragement get us down. We must think of heavenly thoughts. We must have that faith and reliance in God that whatever we may be going through, he is there with us and he will get us through no matter what the results might be. It is not always what we expect it to be and sometimes we won't have the answer. The devil is going to want to get us however he can and he might end up taking the lives of people and the Lord allows it to happen for whatever reason. So you may lose loved ones, you may go through hard times, you may endure all of these things, but we cannot escape the trials we are told. Trials are sure to come. It is how we handle it when the trials come. If we go to the Lord in prayer, if we do not get discouraged, if we have faith no matter what is going on. Job lost his children and a lot of things that he owned, yet he did not doubt the Lord and he did not blame the Lord for what was going on. Instead, he prayed and the Lord honored him and blessed him. And the Lord will be with us if we go to him and cling to him like Jacob clinged to him and said he would not let him go until he was blessed. And we must not let go. We let go of God too soon. We get in our own doubts. We get in our own head and we must let go of anger. We must let go of pride. We must let go of everything. We must be able to forgive and to love and to get rid of every sin in our lives. And we can only do that by that consistent relationship with Christ. And that is why it says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Because when we, and I've 
said this time and again, and I'll probably say it again in future episodes, that if we are hanging on to that depression and that sadness, it only does more detriment to us. But instead, if we think of the wonderful things that the Lord can do for us, and if we're thankful for even one thing, such as our life and the air that we breathe, and think of happier things, then we will not be sad and discouraged as we once were. But if you continue to get yourself in this slew of despondency, it is like quicksand. It'll just suck you right in like a vacuum and it is hard to get out, but not impossible. With God, all things are possible and he is waiting and ready to get you out from underneath the crushing weight of the world. And Satan would have you crushed and he wants you to go through the fire at the end time because that means he doesn't have to pay the price for your sins. You have to pay the price for your sins. But we must not let Satan win the battle. We must win the battle and the final war because God is mightier and he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I, for one, want to praise the Lord through the trials that come my way and have come my way. And it has made me into the person that I am today. It has made me stronger in my faith. It has made me trust in the Lord more. And sometimes it has been hard and sometimes there have been doubts. But we can ask for forgiveness for the doubts and we can go into the future with a new outlook on life. And with the Lord by our side, we can overcome sin. We must get ready because time is not on our side anymore. And this is now the time to get that firm faith and that love of God in our heart so that we are ready for the things that are to come. Now I want to sing for you this song about the refiner's fire and it's very beautiful because of the words that it says and I hope that you are blessed by it. There burns a fire with sacred heat, white hot with holy flame, and all who dare pass through its blaze will not emerge the same. Some as bronze and some as silver, some as gold, then with great skill all are hammered by their sufferings on the anvil of his will the refiner's fire has now become my soul desire purged and cleansed and purified that the lord be glorified he is consuming my soul refining me making me whole no matter what i may lose i choose the refiner's fire I'm learning now to trust his touch, to crave the fire's embrace. For though my past with sin was etched, his mercies did erase. Each time his purging cleanses deeper, I'm not sure that I'll survive. Yet the strength in growing weaker keeps my hungry soul alive. The 
this fire has now become my sole desire purged and cleansed and purified that the lord be glorified he is consuming my soul refining me making me whole no matter what i may lose i choose the refiner's fire the refiner's fire has now become my soul desire purged and cleansed and purified that the lord be glorified he is consuming my soul refining me I choose the refiner's fire. And I do want that refiner's fire, and I hope that all of you want that as well. And remember now what it says in Matthew 5:16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Remember all of these things and share it with others so that they want the refiner's fire too, and that they are not consumed by the great fire in the last days. And with all this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.